Chapter Five of Tracked by a Tattoo by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Five: The Red Star Advertisement. Greatly to the surprise of Garth, the detective appeared to be decidedly disappointed at this announcement. "'You don't seem to be over-pleased at what I have told you,' he said in a tone of pique. "'Yet it makes the case easier to you.' "'I confess that I do not think so,' was Fank's reply. "'I shall give you my reasons after I have examined your cousin's rooms. At present I must say that you have puzzled me.' Fank's refusal to discuss the subject of the negro did not at all please Garth especially as he considered that his discovery had placed the solution of the case in their hands but to his protestations the detective only reiterated his determination to keep silent until the rooms had been searched with this garth was forced to be content although he could not conceive the reason of such extraordinary conduct and he ascended the stairs with an ill grace were i in your place i should follow out the clue of the negro without delay he said as they rang the bell were you in my place you would do as i am doing and take time to consider your movements retorted fanks as the door was opened venturing on no further remonstrance garth walked into the chambers followed by his friend the servant who admitted them was a light-complexioned light-haired young fellow who appeared to be thoroughly frightened his first remark exposed the reason for this terror i am afraid you can't come in sir he said to the cousin of his late master with a backward glance the police are here as he spoke a policeman made his appearance overflowing with official importance prompted by fanks the barrister at once addressed himself to this jack-in-office i am the cousin of the late sir gregory fellinger he said and i wish to go into the sitting-room for a few minutes you can't enter sir said the policeman stolidly why not my friend here mr rixton the officer started and looked at fanks evidently he saw his orders in the face of the detective for he at once moved aside and granted the desired permission the valet robert was astonished at this sudden yielding but he entertained no suspicion that there was any understanding between the policeman and the fashionably dressed young man who had been introduced as mr rixton at a glance the detective saw that he had to deal with a timid simple creature who might be trusted to tell the truth out of sheer nervous apprehension the discovery afforded him satisfaction i am much obliged to you officer said garth slipping a shilling into the policeman's hand we shall not stay long robert show us into the sitting-room if you please i wish to ask a few questions a terrified expression flitted across the face of the mild valet but like a well-trained servant he merely bowed and preceded garth along the passage fanks lingered behind maxwell he said to the policeman has anyone been here this morning yes sir replied the man in a low tone a young lady sir very pretty with dark hair and blue eyes she asked to see robert sir oh indeed and how did you act i wouldn't let her see him sir he didn't know she called quite right what did she say when you refused she was upset mr fanks and insisted on seeing him 
i said as he was out so she said as she would call this afternoon at three o'clock banks glanced at his watch it was a quarter past two so this unknown woman might be expected in a short space of time banks was curious to see her and to learn the reason of her coming as it might be that she was indirectly connected with the case as yet there was no woman mixed up in the matter with the doubtful exception of mrs Bolazov. but from long experience banks was sure that the necessary element would yet appear it seemed as though his expectations were about to be realized was she a lady maxwell or an imitation of one a real lady sir she gave me half a solve sir you had no business to take the money he said half smiling at maxwell's definition of what was a real lady i couldn't help it sir said maxwell piteously she would give it to me sir i am ready to return it sir if she should come back well we shall see show her into the sitting-room if she calls again has that valet been out to-day no sir he seems too frightened to go out he does nothing but go about the house owling a poor miserable thing mr Fanks. has he said much to you never a word sir he holds his tongue and owls that's all this behaviour of the servant struck Fanks as strange but he did not make any comment thereon to the policeman again desiring maxwell to show the young lady into the room when she called he went in search of garth to his surprise he found the barrister alone where is robert asked Fanks sharply i sent him out thinking that we would search the room first that won't do we shall want his assistance call him in at once garth nodded and rang the bell in a few minutes robert looking more terrified than ever made his appearance with a glance at Fanks to bespeak his attention, for the detective was lounging idly in a chair, Garth began his interrogation at once. "'Robert,' he said with great deliberation, "'how long have you been in the service of my cousin?' Four years, sir.' "'Was he a kind master?' "'A very kind master, sir. I would not wish for a better place.' do you remember the twenty-first of june asked the barrister in the true police court style yes sir replied the man with a shiver it was the night that my master was murdered at what time did sir gregory leave the house i don't know sir you don't know repeated garth while Fanks pricked up his ears were you not in attendance on him no sir my master received a letter by the five o'clock post which seemed to upset him very much after a time he recovered and sent me out to get seats for the theatre when i got back at six he was gone i never saw him again declared the man in a shaking voice never again till i was called on to identify his dead body you had no idea where your master was going no sir he did not tell me when you left sir gregory to get seats for the theatre how was he dressed in a frock coat and light trousers sir but when i saw the body it was clothed in moleskin trousers and a flannel shirt did you ever see that disguise in his possession i can't say that i ever did sir replied the valet hesitatingly but the week before a parcel came for sir gregory which he would not let me open i was about to do so when he stopped me i think the parcel contained the clothes the disguise why do you think so 
because the parcel was soft and felt like clothes besides it came from weeks and company of edgware road they sell more workmen's clothes than anything else on what day did the clothes arrive asked fank sidely on the fourteenth sir i'm certain of the day because sir gregory was taken ill in the morning taken ill repeated garth at what time was he taken ill at breakfast mr garth when he was reading the paper he gave a cry and i came in to find him in a faint like i got him a glass of brandy and he dressed and went out the parcel arrived in the afternoon what paper did your master take in the morning post sir replied the man turning to fanks who had asked the question the morning post of the fourteenth and where is the paper my master put it away sir oh do you happen to know where he put it no sir i was out of the room at the time fanks sat back in his chair and nodded to garth to continue the conversation which the barrister did at once how long had your master been in town before the murder he asked about a month sir before that we were at mere hall in i know where it is said garth impatiently but about that letter which came by the five o'clock post on the day of the crime did you see it i saw the envelope when i brought it in sir was the handwriting a man's or a woman's it was in female handwriting i am certain sir your master was agitated when he opened it very agitated sir he had an attack like that of the previous week when he was reading the paper the letter was from a woman i suppose it was sir judging from the handwriting had sir gregory anything to do at that time with any particular woman robert grew even paler than usual and placed his hand on his throat with a nervous gesture he replied with difficulty his eyes on the ground not that i know of sir he said hoarsely banks was satisfied that the servant was lying but he made no attempt to intervene on the contrary he signed to garth to conclude his examination and let the man go this the lawyer did forthwith that is all robert you can go i shall remain here with mr rixton for a few minutes longer when the servant had taken his departure garth turned eagerly to his friend well thanks what do you think of all this i think that there is a woman at the bottom of it as usual mrs boazoff no a younger and prettier woman than mrs boazoff we will talk of that later in the meantime i wish to see the letter and the advertisement what advertisement the one in the morning post which upset your cousin on the fourteenth in which drawer does he stow his letters garth went to the desk he tried the middle drawer but it was locked as were the other drawers he used to place his papers in the middle drawer said garth but you see that it is closed i thought it might be said fanks producing a bunch of keys so i brought these with me no good no skeleton keys will open these locks these are of special construction and gregory was very proud of them these are the keys of the desk garth they were found in the dead man's pockets and i brought them with me in case the drawers should be locked i was right it seems and now let us make our search he opened the middle drawer and revealed a mass of letters all in the envelopes in which they had come the two men went carefully through the pile and in ten minutes they were rewarded by finding the object of the search the envelope the address of which had been stated by robert was in female handwriting contained three documents two printed slips cut from a newspaper 
a piece of cardboard in the shape of a five-rayed star painted red and inscribed with some writing slips and star read as followed the first printed slip dated fourteenth june tattooed cross left arm i alone know all i alone can save you if you wish to feel secure meet me when and where you please the second printed slip dated sixteenth june tattooed cross left arm i wish to feel secure name time and place and i shall be there the cardboard star painted red five-pointed star with handwriting and arm that is tooley's alley twenty-one june six seven hotel end of chapter five read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california